168 with my buddy Dominic Milton Trot. I so for everyone listening, I uh I don't like the idea of a Patreon where people just ask for money. So uh, I uploaded a bunch of my Photoshop and original artwork to a website where you can buy it and all uh, the profits will go to the podcast. So if you listen to the podcast, if you want to support the podcast and also buy some cool ass artwork, that link will be in the top comment. But enough of that. Dominic Milton Trot, my buddy, author of The Drug User's Bible. Getting into it today. Okay. <laughs> Introduce well, yourself for all the new all the new the, listeners. All the new listeners. I'm the author of that tome on 522 pages <laughs> of the Drug User's Bible. And I uh, self-administered 157 psychoactive chemicals and plants uh, so that I could write about them with honesty, integrity, and hopefully accuracy. It's a goddamn madman. And today we're going into... Speaking of drugs, I'm going to take some ibuprofen for my back and oh no. not say good. Well, I turned 32 weeks ago, Dominic, and now I'm officially old. And because the day after right. my 30th birthday. I must be dead then because I'm twice as old as you. How old are you? How old do you actually think I am? How old do I think you are? Yeah, I'm not. not well, my parents. No, well, sorry. my parents are 62. Mm hmm. Am I younger than your parents or older? Hmm. I, I say you're. I say you're sixty on the nose. Um, you're not far off. I don't like to to say because okay. I've got my. You, you don't have to. You don't have to. I think. I think you're beautiful yeah, regardless, I'm, Dominic. I love you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Time isn't linear anyway. So yeah, yeah. It, what does it matter, you know? man? What does it matter? I'm thirty. I could be dead for all I know. The day after my thirtieth birthday. I was at work and I bent over and I picked up a cardboard box that weighed a whopping one pound <laughs> and I threw out my back. <laughs> so for the last two weeks I've been hobbling around like, oh, I'm like, this is it. This is time to put down the racehorse. So yeah, now I'm taking taking NSAIDs to, to reduce inflammation. Okay. But on that note, we're going we're to talk about how you classified the drugs and that is something I had legitimately been interested in and curious about was, you know, I look at it from my from my limited knowledge and I look at it from probably most people my age. We're really not even my age. Anyone who's got a limited knowledge, you know, they've drank before, they've smoked cigarettes, they've smoked pot. Maybe they've taken psychedelics on a couple of occasions. Maybe they've used a Xanax when they're having anxiety on a plane. But aside from that, I feel like I'm pretty average below average in terms of variety of drug uses and so on go leading from that i think that i can only speak for myself but i i imagine most people look at it as it's like you got your alcohol they kind of put weed weed and maybe you think psychedelics is just like a little more intense of a weed and and then you kind of just, in my mind, you categorize everything else as like hard drugs. It's like meth, heroin, PCP, the stuff you see on the evening news. You know, don't take this. You're going to jump out of your window. But there is a much larger and more distinct and scientific categorization of these. And that's what you're going to go into before I so rudely cut you off. So yeah, I'll shut up. I thought, how, how to, you know, I took 157 drugs and, and all different types of drug yeah and when i first started doing this and, and recording it and documenting it obviously the first question is how do i organize the book sure because for, for, for new people 
uh, I've written the harm reduction information for each drug and the doses and, and what the what the experience is like and so on. Because how do you organise something? You can't just alphabetical order of drugs and uh, you know that is not a good way because they share, <laughs> they share certain properties yeah. which cross certain yeah. numbers of drugs and you can ayahuasca them beer is a psychedelic so I, I thought okay well I'll, I'll categorize them by effect so that you have psychedelics and people and I define what the the, the actual classifications are what is a psychedelic that's in the book but you know so I thought well okay well psychedelics uh, obvious classification if you like and in there would go LSD, DMT, ayahuasca, 2CBs um, and and so forth all all the drugs that that have that uh, hallucinogenic type effect uh, are psychedelics but where from there? I mean, it's not immediately obvious to the to Joe public. And well, okay, well, I've got to, I'm going to do this somehow uh, that is sensible, logical, and people will find the way around the book and understand more about drugs via the organisation of the classifications. So um, I'll go through the different classifications I used and why why I put certain drugs under those classifications because some drugs like Alcohol. Sure. Initially, it's a bit of a stimulant. You get a an upper, mm. and then it's no longer a stimulant. It's a downer, and you're sedated. So is it a is it a stimulant or is it a depressant? Yeah. So you know, there's decisions to be made with some of these drugs. Although mo- most of the drugs, it's pretty damned obvious what they're doing to you, and therefore what the classification should be. So I started with clearly psychedelics is. Is a, is a class, yeah. It's a class of drugs, yeah. fairly discreet, uh, and uh, that was pure and simple. Second, second class class was stimulants, um, and the sort of drugs are obviously people have heard of are, are caffeine, uh, cocaine, amphetamine, speed, methamphetamine. Um, these are drugs that stimulate you, be wired you know, and increase energy. It can have a euphoric effect and other other sort of secondary effects as well. Uh, But the primary, and this is how I've sort of tried to do it, the primary effects of all the drugs under stimulants uh, is going to be that it's stimulating energy, enhancing, provides focus, um, which is the opposite of what the third classification is, which is anxiolytics and sedatives. Number three is, is sort of sedatives, downers, and you're thinking Xanax, yeah, uh, Diazepam, Valium, yeah. it is all, um, yeah, Valium, uh, Pregabalin, um, drugs that sort of relax. So they're the sort of polar opposite, if you like, to the second classification, which is stimulants. So we've got psychedelics, stimulants, anxiolytics. Now, they're the obvious ones. I mean, if you ask people the big, to classify drugs, the big ones. they probably they probably end there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those well, are the big. Not. Those are the big ones. It's not because you've got dissociatives, which is the fourth class, and and I didn't know. You no, know, I haven't. The fourth set is actually into, intoxicating depressants. Intoxicating depressants. I've okay. called it intoxicating depressants because okay. these are depressants that 
sort of sedate, mm. but they're intoxicating as well. And, and alcohol is an intoxicating depressant. It intoxicates, but ultimately it depresses your nervous system, central nervous system depressant, which makes you sort of relax and, and lose inhibitions. Called opioids yeah, are intoxicating sure, sure. depressants. Could they you... fall into that sort of category as does you know and, and in there you've got you've got morphine and, and could you say... heroin and, and so on and so forth tramadol so you've got these these depressants which which are like intoxic intoxicating and you get high because your sort of nervous system control obviously cns is... is suppressed and therefore you get high could you say that but, that but some it, strains of marijuana are could you say some strains of marijuana are intoxicating? Some, not all. Mar- marijuana, I'm going to come to at the at the, at the end because okay, marijuana okay, okay. fits into quite a number of categories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had a real difficulty. What do you do with marijuana? And I'll tell you what I did too when, when I get to okay, the okay, end. Okay, okay, okay. That is like a vanilla, really, because it, it Put it can on be psychedelic. Yeah, you know, yeah. First time you have a heavy, heavy load of heavy, heavy talk of a strong cannabis <laughs> yeah, yeah. strain when you've never had it before. That's Boy, psychedelic. That is, that is, what did Terrence McKenna say? He was like, the real way to use marijuana, you see, is to not use yeah. it for 60 days, and then you eat five grams, not mushrooms, you eat five grams of marijuana in a brownie. That's how you use marijuana. You'll see God. Yeah. But you're, you're right. You said the same thing about alcohol. I mean, yeah, you have one yeah. drink. You're a little uppity. You're a little. Let's get going. It's. Um. I believe Steve Ballmer, the co-founder of Microsoft, called it the Ballmer curve. They found when coders had one beer, that their productivity and innovation, as well as dropping the number of errors they made, it's called the Ballmer peak. If you have one beer, apparently yeah. your ability to code goes up exponentially. But if you go even like an ounce over it, it falls right back down. But so there's alcohol, yeah. weed. Same thing. You have maybe like, um, you know, you maybe have like a light toke of sativa after a morning run. You're creative and you're you're up all day. But you know, you rip you rip some indica on a Friday night. You're about to sleep for eighteen hours. Sorry for interrupting. Yeah, you, but yeah. I mean, it's 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 a question of what is the primary effect. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, because I've got to, they, these these drugs have got to go under a class. And they've got to be organised yeah. in a way that is rational. Yeah. Uh, and in terms of what is the primary effect, so people will know. Well, okay. Well, I have this drug. What are the other drugs that are similar to this? And they'll know to go under uh, sedatives if it's if they've got Valium and looking for a different, uh, trying to locate a different sedative. Well, they're going to find it under anxiolytics and sedatives. If they've had cocaine and they want a different, perhaps a weaker uh, stimulant, they're going to find it under stimulants, which is number two. So intoxicating depressants are all these sort of, they have an intoxication. Intoxication, you know, is an interesting word. I'm not sure what the strict dictionary definition is, but it's like a loss of sort of control, if you like. Um, And... uh, and I think it comes very much with the in the area of CNS depressants. So, uh, and lo- like a loss of inhibition due to nervous central nervous system being depressed and contained by the drug. So we, we've got four is intoxicating depressants. Five is really interesting because I didn't even know this really existed when I first started. These are the tools which are 
I sort of read out a minute ago. Um, because I'd heard of, of ketamine. Nutmeg. And, uh, but I'd heard of it in connection with it being a, um, a, a, a horse, uh, horse sedative, a, yeah. a means of, you know, sedating for, for operations. So I thought, well, it's a sedative. And this isn't really going to be very interesting. Uh, so I wasn't really that keen to, to try it or any of the other dissociatives that came across. I also thought it would be quite boring. Well, uh, as you, you were well aware, um, they're, they're not like that at all. They're, they're sort of a disconnect between mind and body. Uh, yeah. and they provide almost a sort of psychedelic type experience. And in there I've got ketamine, obviously, MXC, DXM, uh, which is fairly widely used. Yeah, that's uh, um, Fenidine and so on and so forth. And, and uh, nitrous oxide, that's a uh, dissociative. So, you know, that's, that's a class of drug dissociatives because they all have this disconnecting effect with reality, I did, which is really weird. I did, I did nitrous oxide once by accident. I was uh, just a real, you know, just being a fat ass. I was eating ice cream out of the container and I was squirting whipped cream in my mouth and the whipped cream finished up but I was trying to get the rest because I'm just a fat glutton and I like sucked on it as I was really trying to press down and then I was just inhaling the air me despite being a grown ass man didn't realize that that was that's what the uh, there was uh, nitrous oxide in it and for like 10, mm, ten the, seconds the, the little canisters yeah but this was a big old thing of whipped cream don't try this at home or you know if you want to have a good time try it at home but yeah I I inhaled after all the cream was gone I went and I brought it in and yeah 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 that's the that's the what most people use is a whip it but I, I had never known I, what a whip I only was. use it for cream obviously yeah but I I want to be honest I've had these for about five years it was, I just got better yeah. to bring myself to the no, it was 10 seconds of I don't even really know how to describe it it just kind of felt like the. Whole, it's not what I saw it's like when I say everything kind of start, turned to static like a TV or a radio turns to static that isn't what I saw. That's what I felt. I felt like reality was going static. I just kind of, mm-hmm. it's not like I was in a bubble and it popped. It was like I was in a bubble and then like a hundred million holes formed on it and it started to just permeate. But it came on and was gone in the probably the total course of 10 seconds. That's why I, I had found no it idea what deeply I was, unfulfilling. It was a real disappointment. I didn't know what it was, I yeah. To it. I Googled and, it. I was um, like, what the fuck is this? And I realized I had just done a whip it. And I was like, oh. And I was like, that wasn't... I was like, one, that wasn't fun. And two, man, that's a, that's a slippery slope. If it lasts for 10 seconds, you're going to do it again and again and again and again. And I was like, that's, I'm never doing it's that. Just, it's just this over so quickly. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I, can, I felt a sort of sort of mental reset, if you like, but it was so minor and so fast. And, just, you know, if I'm going to have a, a drug for recreational purposes, I want it to last. Give me an evening. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I know some people take it with other drugs because it's supposed to have syn- synergistic properties with with certain drugs um, and I'm not going to say what they are because I don't want to encourage people to do it I'm yeah. not convinced it's, yeah. it's, it's really that good an idea but yeah there's a synergy with certain yeah. certain of the drugs but for me it was a, a further disappointing uh, exercise in terms of reward given that I'd anticipated it 
really anticipated that it might be quite interesting and it wasn't that interesting yeah uh, so there are some that's a, a dissociative strictly speaking so that sits next to ketamine and mexi and uh, some of the others in terms of effect so notice i have done this in terms of effect all the way through and and uh, i think that's the right way to do it number six and pathogens and euphorians uh, now these were drugs that you know in terms of effect feeling uh drugs that make you feel love and oneness with people yet also create a high if you like and a euphoric semi-euphoric state and these are these typically methadone mdma which is ecstasy um mda methylone 6-APD, which was a, a research chemical, was very, very popular in Europe at one point. So these these are all classified together in, in number six. Number seven, um, cannabinoids. Now, I've not put cannabis in here because what I've, what, what I've got in, under cannabinoids are all these chemicals that uh, were created and synthesized to emulate cannabis to be like cannabis, to be sold in markets like the UK and Europe and America until recent years, um, in which cannabis itself was illegal. So as, as we've discussed uh, in previous episodes, you had the situation where some quite dangerous drugs were being manufactured um, and were on the market and being widely used simply because a benign drug plant, drug like cannabis, wasn't available legally. So I talk about public health and the uh, the dangers of prohibition. There's one right in the face of, of how people died because um, because of prohibition directly. These chemicals would never have existed. Yeah. Uh, so I've got a, a bunch of chemicals in there that I I uh, explored under cannabinoids because they're not. The more like cannabis, so very difficult to place into another category. Number eight is nootropics. Now, people think um, nootropics are what's the, what's the program. Uh, they, they, what they do is they, they're meant to enhance mental acuity and, and, and cognitive functionality. Limitless, that's the program yeah. I was thinking of. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's a film. And, yeah, Bradley um, Cooper. You know, that's obviously, they don't, obviously, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. So that nothing like that. I mean, the, 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 the sense of change is, is. I mean, there's obviously a, a complete wide scope of opinion on this. I found very little. I found that the closest nootropic that I actually the nootropic that I noticed having some sort of effect on on my ability to focus and concentrate was was a plant called the intellect tree. Uh, but the, the chemical nootropics, which I experienced with nine different ones. Pure sedum. Worry is relatively disappointing. Uh, but but you know, to be fair to, to the nootropic people, you know, they are supposed to be used regularly. Yeah, so it's, a, it's a long term. And that is just outside the scope of what I prefer to do with a I, with a drug. I try not, not being used to get me better from something. Yeah, I, 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 try, I went on a nootropic regimen in college for a couple months. Tried a whole bunch of them. Mm-hmm. Pure sedum, acetylocarnitine, lion's mane mushroom, and glutathione. I didn't notice shit, man. 
after about no, six months of it. Very I didn't subtle, anything. They're very subtle, to be fair. There's something, you know, Fenny Butts. Sure. Uh, new, new pets. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely have an effect. I mean, yeah. But, but uh, and Fenny Butts used for, for all sorts of Anxiety. Russian drugs. Yeah. And, and it's, I think it was in the, it's found because it was in the medical kit of cosmonauts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it was a mandatory item in the medical kit of cosmonauts. So, you know, these are definitely, some of them are definitely yeah. drugs. Yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, for the purpose, the primary purpose being nootropics, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't really get a great deal from them, but that's 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 a class of drug, and and under the chemical side, there's there's a, there's a, there's nine entries there now. Mapped across all these 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 same categories map onto the botanicals as well. So the botanicals, I've got psychedelics again, I've got stimulants, I've got sedatives, I've got nootropics, but I've got two other ones for which there are. That, 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 you know, I didn't, I didn't identify chemical equivalents. One is anerogens, which, which are dream herbs. Say that again. Dream herbs. What were these? The, are, these what? are plants and seeds. What was the class called? Uh, which enhance create vivid or lucid dreaming. What was the class of drugs you called them? Anerogens. It could be an ear again, but how I've do, never how heard you, anyone say it. I've never read it. How do you, how do you spell it? O-N-E-I-R-O-G-E-N-S. O-N-A-I-R-O-G-E-N-S. And I'll, I'll, I'll give you the strict textbook definition of that. The best definition of that by Google. An ear again. An ear from the Greek meaning dream. Um, is that which produces or enhances dreamlike states of consciousness? Uh, this is characterized by immersive dream states similar to REM sleep, which can range from realistic to alien or abstract. So that's what an erogen means now. Okay. Uh, these are these are plants, some quite well known ones. Um Kalia, uh Mugwort. There's some quite strange ones. Um a Bulawu. Was a route I got from Africa, um, and uh, what you were supposed to do? I get this one right. We're supposed to put it, mix, put it in a jar of water, mix it, and stick. I remember, and then and I think I left that. That's the one I left overnight. Now you shake it, and you get froth, and you spoon off the froth and eat the froth, Ugh. and it's supposed to get lucid dreaming or vivid dreaming. And which which are recallable dreams or dreams that you can control. Now, yeah, some of these are, they have differing results. Certainly, there's an effect with some of them. Certainly, there is there is a, there is definitely definitely not impotent impotent at all. Um, and people say, oh yeah, I, I had funny dreams after I had I don't know DMT or some 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 or a bugger or some other drug but bear in mind i'm looking at the, what the primary effect is here mm-hmm. now if you have a psychedelic yeah you're likely to get some pretty strange dreams but the primary effect is a psychedelic effect so that is where those psychedelics go mm-hmm. these these drugs or or psychoactives on, 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 in this section are one are the ones whose primary effect is to create uh lucid lucid or vivid dreaming Number number, I forgot what number on whatever number it was. The next one is 
deliriums. Uh-huh. Yeah, we've touched this before. These are these are a definite no-no for anybody who's listening to this. These are drugs like Datura and nutmeg plants. And they're sometimes confused with psychedelics. Um, we, but they're not psychedelics. They, they induce a state which is dysphoric, uh, and which is generally, generally regarded in medicine as a state close to death. Um, you get delirious. Now, being delirious is not where you want to be. It's not where I want it to be. It's not where, it, where you want to be if you're seeking a recreational experience. Uh, so obviously, they are, by that uh, account, they are certainly drugs that should be in a book on harm reduction like this. Um, but uh, they're deliriums. And the final section is um, unclassified. Now, that's a bit of a cop-out, isn't it? And that's, that's drugs that I haven't classified. <laughs> and that's how I got around the, chem- the cannabis quandary. Classified. <laughs> because <laughs> can it be cannabis... Cannabis is a lot of things. It can be energizing, it can be relaxing, it can be psychedelic. Um, and different people would have different views on on, uh, on where it would, what its primary effect would be. And its primary effect depends also on the dose and your regular, how regularly you, you, you smoke or eat it. Uh, so it's, it's not, I, don't, I think it's a real, sort of uh, it's a unique drug in lots of ways but I think it's for classification it's a really difficult drug to handle so I have this section of of, uh, classified and I also put in there Kratom Kratom and the reason Kratom's in there is because uh, that can energise or sedate and it depends on the dose so I'm like, well, should I put it under sedatives? Should I put it under stimulants? And in the end, because it's a lack of opioid qualities as well, really, I thought, oh, I've got to stick that under uh, unclassified. And I've done the same with tobacco, because, again, stimulating and sedating. Yeah, anxiolytic. And, pe- and people will argue for both. So I've got, I've got eight different plants or seeds in, in that category of unclassified. Um, and I've got Mepacho uh, in there and I've got Carba Carba, um, which seems to me to be like alcohol, but without without the bad bits. Yeah, I took Carba Carba uh, once. Yeah, uh, I actually did like Carba Carba. Yeah. Um, I, I used it so for that's, that's how I've classified them. and. Uh, you know, I thought, and there's a picture I've got of how they overlap as well in in, in the book, you know, which I'll sort of try and I will show you because it's, it's a really good picture actually. Uh, I didn't draw it. I'm going to claim. Yeah, Kava Kava is a, is a yeah. I used that for sleep once in college. It was nice. I liked it. Um, did it's you... a drink that's that's uh, Polynesian. Oh, I, I I got it as like capsules. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's the sort of different categories overlapping. Okay. Antipsychotic stimulants, depressants, hallucinogens. But, uh, you know, because, and of course, the reason they've done that is is you've got the circles overlapping because certain drugs can go in more than yeah, one category. Yeah, yeah, yeah of and, course. And, and I think that's a really neat, neat picture to sort of 
identify things. But so I tried to follow that broadly speaking, and I tried to organise it in terms of you know how people would view if I want a stimulant. So they'd go to them and they'd find them primary stimulants. Uh, I want to know about sedatives for the gut. So that's how I organised it, and uh, you know I'm quite comfortable with the way that's turned out. But I thought really that would be a good thing to sort of go through at the, as in one of these talks, and uh, it's only taken 27 minutes, so I can do the other thing that I forget to start. Right, yeah, let's get on the other one, yeah. It was the, what was the other one, the improper use of of drugs? No, they, they, this was... Uh, the, uh, I sort of titled this, and I've, I've written, written I scribbled a list down, um, and these are... Uh, the mistakes people make okay, yeah, 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 missed, yeah. when taking drugs which can lead to tragedy or death. Well, that's a pretty broad that's a pretty broad uh, idea. That's sort of where I came from. This is this is what I came up with before the um the book was before even the embryo the okay. idea. Okay. I was looking at the drug forums and watching people disappear and die and, and trying to work out what had they done wrong. And sometimes there was enough sufficient information to have a a bit of an idea of what sort of mistake it would mm. uh, made, and at the time I was starting to write down, you know, what what the common mistakes actually were, what what they, what had they done that had caused them to die, um, or have a, some sort of tragic event, um, and what was the cause of it, uh, and I started to list them, and I said today I sort of well, wrap my brains, I'm not going to talk about that tonight, so I've written down ten. Okay. Ten of the common mistakes that people make, and you, some of these, you'll sort of think, "Wow, that's just that's dead obvious," and they are. Yeah. Some are less obvious than others. Yeah. Uh, some you think, "How could, how could anybody possibly be so stupid?" And I'm going to illustrate those with 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 me doing them just to yeah. prove that, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm either completely stupid or or anyone can make. Yeah, or mistake. anyone can do it. Yeah. Okay, we'll start with number one, and I'll. I'll, I'll, I'll read out the um the mistake and then i will talk to it so number one i've written down disregarding or not establishing onset time leading to double or multi-dosing mm-hmm. so this is the scenario in which you have a drug yeah yeah and then you wait it's not working and you wait a bit longer and you yeah. think oh god it's a duff yeah or you think oh it's, it's not it's not it's strong, strong at all yeah. i'm gonna have another or another two or and, and you and you you, you, you either don't know the onset time or you don't believe the onset time or you forget one one, one simple fact is the onset time isn't a fixed time yeah. it depends on a, a whole host of, uh, of factors and one of them is your own personal physiology another might be how full, what's in, what are the contents of your stomach if it's an oral drug and so on so disregarding and not establishing onset time like doable people die because they're impatient and they got more drug <laughs> yeah. uh, without without actually giving the initial um, dose time to take full effect uh, so it's a serious one and, and I've got the, the drug I wrote next to that for me was LSD luckily is a, is a very benign it's a psychedelic drug in terms of um, toxic uh, content um, and I was, I was about 21 and I'd been wanting to try drugs yeah. <laughs> and LSD was a famous drug oh, yeah. I thought, that's one where you have these great 
Pigeons, delicious. Yeah, the Beatles, so yeah. So Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. I got two tabs. So I thought, I'll get one and I'll get Woo! them just in case. So I bought them at, when I was away uh, and I got home with them and uh, I had one on a Sunday lunchtime and uh, I didn't have a I mean this is just naivety more than anything yeah. um, and I waited about 20 minutes and nothing happened and I was so impatient that I thought nothing's happening I'm going to have the other one it's a duff. I knew it was. I knew there was something uh, fishy about that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> fuck that guy. He, yeah, he schemed me. Gave me some sugar. He's yeah. been ripped off. Yeah, He's fuck not, that guy. Not, you know, so I had the other one, and then about ten seconds later, I, I suddenly realised, oh my god, you know, <laughs> actually, I am, I am starting to feel an effect. I feel really weird. And I'd sort of realised what I'd done at that point. So I goes, I ran into the kitchen to my partner and, and that sort of, we didn't know. <laughs> and uh, I said, oh my God, I'm da, 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 da. so I confessed it all. I think I'm gonna, what's gonna happen I'm to gonna me? Die. <laughs> she was okay, fortunately. And, 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 and that was, luckily, well, hey, luckily, two, two pieces, one, it was LSD. Um, the second piece of luck is these must have been super low dust uh, blotters because looking back on it with, with all the like, experience now, I'd say like in those. total it must have about, about 40 micrograms. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So it was hardly, a, you know, it, it wasn't, you know, I, I was affected. I mean, I, I, I was under some sort of influence, but it wasn't, you know, a full, fully full blown trip. And, yeah. You know, see the face of god and talk to your inner soul and but that's a true story and it's <coughs> it's an illustration of especially when you're young you can be impulsive mm. impatient and and do something as stupid as i did perhaps with a drug less forgiving than lsd yeah it's yeah because uh, so next time it don't might do be, that yeah. don't do that well because yeah don't lsd is rather forgiving because you're right i mean you yeah it's going to be crazy but, nobody's gonna die yeah but the problem is is someone might take a percocet and go oh it's not working yet i'm going to take another percocet i'm going to take it now you're taking shit that's gonna drop your heart rate right so that's where the worry comes in yeah i mean there are plenty of drugs that the last thing you want to do is is take double or triple dose or get yourself flying on a binge because of it yeah uh plenty of drugs but that, that could be a disaster but lsd isn't really one of them um at least relatively speaking okay number two mistakes people make that can lead to tragedy or death number two is eyeballing the dose instead of properly weighing it um and this is a, this is really easy to do and especially it depends upon where you are uh and what your situation is when you're taking the dose um because eyeballing the dose is you know you do really don't know what you're taking and uh, you can sort of get a dose you know it looks like it's 100 milligrams mm. well really yeah and i'll tell you a story that this was one of my worst experiences um a story that happened to me didn't happen to me i did it to me uh and it was just sheer complacency um i was i was t- i was buying i bought a drug called gorgane from a headshot 
and okay. Gauguin's marsh with cocaine, so you can guess it's a stimulant. <laughs> and it was a research chemical, it was a mixture of maybe MPA and maybe MDAI and something else. Um, it's recorded in the book, but I can't remember off the top of my head. And it's a powder. And I'd, I'd had it a couple of times before, one gram packets. Um, and I wasn't a regular user, I mean, I wasn't having it, you know, every few weeks. Um, and I'd, I'd take 100 milligrams perhaps, or I'd snort it, and I'd eat it. I was, I'd eat it. I was eating it at 200 milligrams, I can't remember. And I'd just feel energised, and it was okay, interesting. Um, and that was that. On this occasion, I bought, uh, I bought a three gram packet because it was on special offer. So I brought my three gram packet home with me. And uh, when I opened it, I said, oh, I'll have some Golgani. It was, it was actually a Christmas morning. Oh God. But I'm really tired. I went out last night. Okay. And um, um, I kind of keep trying to put this back as though I was some sort of kid, and, but I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse it. Uh, so, and I was really tired. And, yeah. And, okay, well, I'll tell you what, I'll have some with this go again just to keep me going and to pet me up for the day. Uh, and I, I was busy. I didn't have time to, I didn't have time to, you know, stupidity. So I, I, I just poured a bit out of it. And I just sort of got it in a little thing and poured it down and swallowed it. Um, and. I don't know how much it was, but I know what I did. I was, the, the dose size was relative to the bigger packet. You know, so the normal size, 100 milligram, 200, whatever it was relative to the small packet, would look like this much. Mm. But I had a much bigger packet. So the ratio to the dose, the dose was much bigger. It's three or four times bigger than normally take. Okay. So this large dose went down my neck. And of course, it did the trick immediately. So much so that an hour or two later, I came back for some more. Oh God! And took a second dose. Thought, well, that was really good. And not realizing that I was actually having something like three or four times what I normally would have. And all the, before I knew it, the packet had gone. So I had three grams of this stuff, um, and I was pretty wired um, and okay. But later on in the day, I started realizing that. Uh, I want to go to sleep, but I can't. Mm. I'm really tired, but I'm stinned up so much that there's not a chance in how I've been getting to sleep. And it's a horrible feeling like you're being yeah. torn up. You know, you know you've had enough. You know you want your brain to stop, but it's not going to stop yeah. for you. Um, so I had this night where I was not really sleeping and tossing and turning. And the next day I got up and I was, I hadn't slept. And I was still, you know, so wired in terms of listless, uh, really tired, but not being able to to do anything about it. And it got to night again, and, and the night was when the drama really started because it was dark, and everything became threatening. I could hear noises outside, which I sort of imagined were, you know threatening or someone coming to get me and yeah. uh, I kept seeing things and people out this corner of my eye yeah. who were known as the phenomenon known as the shadow people yeah the shadow yeah so I was in a state of of, of almost in psychosis a light psychosis yeah yeah so I was heading towards psychosis and 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 it was it was horrible 
Um, you know, and it sounds when you talk about the shadow people, but it's all, it can sound quite cool, but he's not. It's terrifying and it's yeah. horrible and it's frightening, and there's absolutely no redeeming part to it whatsoever. Um, and and that experience was, you know, I could have easily had this like psychotic episode. Yeah, I could have died. Yeah, you know, and that and that is eyeballing. You know, that was because I eyeballed the dose and and, and weighing it instead of eyeballing it isn't only about getting the appropriate dose it's also a, a sort of checkpoint for you as an individual to to think okay i've i'm stopping now to where and while you're measuring the dose and, and fiddling around with it you've got thinking time do i really want this so it's like a checkpoint between you know to stop to help you stop binging if if you don't want to binge yeah so you know always weigh your dose because um, eyeballing the doors, you know, isn't isn't really a good thing to be doing. It's a terrible yeah. risk. Yeah. Um, and weighing the doors may be a pain in the arse, but it may save your life at the same time. Yeah. Number three of mistakes people make that can lead with drugs that can lead to tragedy or death. Taking the same dose as companions who may be regular users and have a huge tolerance. Hmm. Now the scenario, the scenario here is, is is quite obvious, I guess. Uh, young lad, always wanted to try heroin. Yeah, everyone else. Does, yeah. No one knows one guy who, who who does heroin. So he decides to have a gone to his friend who does heroin. He goes out with him and his mates. Uh, so they end up somewhere and they start taking the heroin. Uh, our guy doesn't have a clue on, about doses or anything like that. So he thinks I'll be I'll be okay. I'll just take what they're doing. So he takes the same dose as all the all the chaps in the circle, um, and he dies. Yeah. Why does he die? Because they've all got you. They're addicts. They've all got huge tolerance, and he's got no tolerance whatsoever. Yeah. So that's taking the same dose of companions who may be regular users. Don't just determine the dose based upon what anyone else is taking. Research the dose for yourself. Um, have I got an example? Yeah, I have. The patcho. This is the one I've mentioned before, where there was people on the streets of Hanoi in Vietnam mm. talking out of pipes, and I thought I could just go and sit down and have what they're having. Um, and because uh, I knew an idea was my patcho, which is a sort of strong tobacco, twenty times the strength of regular tobacco. So I sit down, and and, and I just have a smoke of this bamboo pipe, and of course. Uh, it nearly, I nearly pass out. It's, um, I feel sick and ill. I feel like I've sucked the fumes of an exhaust pipe. It's a sort of chemical poisoning type feeling, and I'm, I'm dizzy and I'm nearly collapsing and I'm gasping for breath. Um, and, and that really is the same as the heroin guy, just basically taking the dose and determining your dose based upon what other people are doing without sufficient knowledge of the situation. So uh, don't do that. Just yeah. establish the dose for yourself with all the relevant factors. Don't just tell what somebody else is doing because you could easily end up dead. Number four, this is, this is short and sweet. Combining two or more drugs without researching the risks of the specific combination. People, I'm not, I'm not really one of these people who, who, who likes to have 
combine two drugs and no, have I'm not. two drugs, MDMA and LSD no. or speed. And I like, I like one at a time. I, yeah, yeah, because I've got a better handle on what's going to happen. Yes. And, um, you know, everything's been tried, tested, documented, and I know where, where I'm going, really. Um, uh, but people do, and, and, and they, they actually pay the price for it. And there's a, something on an MAOI, which is, is cambium drug. Uh, yeah, that's right, and that can enhance the strength of, uh, of, of lots and lots of drugs. Uh, so if you combine in a drug with an MAOI, you know, really, do you know what you're doing? You, know, you can do, you can. I mean, you, you have to for 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 ayahuasca. Yeah, yeah, you have to, and you have it. to for certain other similar experiences. But but generally speaking, you you really uh, you shouldn't be doing this stuff unless you know what you're doing. Trips it have a wonderful combination chart of what are the risky combinations and, mm-hmm. and what are the synergies and so on, which is definitely worth seeking out. So that was combining two or more drugs without researching the risks of the specific combination. Don't do that. If you're going to do it, know what you're doing. Number five, failing to test a drug when unsure of its identity or purity. This gets a lot of people. Um, they don't. They, they take a drug and they're not sure what it is, and it's a different drug to what they're expecting. And maybe they'll take the dose of the drug they're expecting, and they'll die. Uh, lots of scenarios which end up in in death through not testing the drug. Now, when I started taking drugs, I I I. I didn't think I could test the drug, hmm. and and I would always send it off to a lab, which luckily in this country uh, there's a, a free testing service, anonymous, which you can send drugs to. And I would I'd always do that, um, and one of the reasons I'd do that was because I didn't think I could test it myself. I thought I, I've never done chemistry, yeah. and uh, I'm not a chemist. Yeah. How can I how can I test a drug? Yeah. Well, it's only when I bought a testing kit for a a few dollars, a few pounds or something, that I realised that actually I can test it, it's so easy to do. And if you want a more comprehensive test, even that's easy. I've put the instructions of how to do it in there because, because I, you know, I realised when when I discovered it was easy that uh, maybe I, I, I hadn't been testing some drugs because I thought I couldn't test them and I wouldn't want others to, to be in the same situation. So I decided I'll show you how to test them in the book. Um, but they are straightforward to test, uh, and uh, I think it's really important if you have any doubts about the identity of, of a drug that you intend to take, you actually do go and find a way of testing it or you test it yourself. Um, I've got an example, um, and it, it, it's, it wasn't the result of a, a will not to, not to test, it was just complacency and a mix-up. I got these two drugs, pregabalin and gabapentin. Mm-hmm. They're similar, same family, and they're sort of like sedative type drugs. Um, and I had one of the drugs, and, and, and it, it was really disappointing. Um, and I thought it was pregabalin, which I'd had. So I thought, well, that's quite weak, and the other drug was supposed to be weaker than it, uh, gabapentin. So I, I had the gabapentin at a higher dose and of course it, the effects were disastrous I was 
I was I couldn't stay sat here. Hmm. I type in and type in. I mean, I wasn't here, but I couldn't type on the keyboard. So I ended up in bed. I was ill. I was uh, I couldn't walk straight. And sometimes it can, can be fun, you know. If you, with dissociatives, it can be an enjoyable experience. Sure, but sure. it wasn't that. It was it was a, a really horrible type feeling. Um, and that, uh, you know, I was I was really worried that I might. Uh, I might not survive it because I didn't know that much about it. Um, and uh, what I'd done is I'd filled, I'd, I'd, through complacency, I'd, I'd failed to identify the drugs properly. So when I came back the day after and I thought, uh, oh God, I'd actually got them the wrong way around. Because mm. I had the packet there of of the pregabalin, which pregabalin, which I thought was gabapentin, uh, and I realised it wasn't. So therefore, that last trip that I've just documented was the gabapentin, and this one was the pregabalin, uh, which is stronger than gabapentin. And this is why I've, I've basically overdosed on this thing, uh, and it was complacency. And it was basically failure to test in a way, mm. failure to identify the drug properly uh, and sensibly. Um, and uh, I, I mean, I think it was probably looking in some respects, but, you know, I was saying that, you know, you can, you can only be, in this game, you can only be unlucky once. Yeah. And the lights yeah. go out. Yeah. It's, yeah, there's no. You know, if you're lucky once, it can be the last time, yeah. the first time and the last time. Yeah. So, you know, maybe I was a bit lucky to get away with that one, but it was a stupid mistake to make. Yeah. I should, you know, this isn't that long ago. Yeah. So it's almost embarrassing yeah. to, to actually admit to it. It's, um, it's, I don't think there's anything embarrassing. I mean, you have to, you have to own it, man. I mean, I, mm. I've, yeah, I would say within the last, last couple of years I've had some of the worst experiences in my life dangerous experiences mm. I'm almost I, I just turned 30 man it's you gotta you just gotta own it I mean yeah, you can be embarrassed sure mm. there's nothing wrong with embarrassment but yeah talk it's like I think you said it importantly earlier you said this happened to me and then you paused and you said no I did this to me that's the important mm. thing is yes be educated yeah. acknowledge it don't make the mistake again but also acknowledge I did this to me no one did this to me. No one. They didn't they, grab me, they, throw they, me in a van, and hit me with that. a syringe. It's I did this. It's yeah. I think the important thing is that I was able to document it. Yes. And hopefully stop others well, it's, doing the same. But it's but it's that's mistake. that's what's so important about what you're doing is because hmm. for every person that says it's almost think about like UFO sightings, right? There's a tangible hmm. thing. The military officials say that there are real radar returns. These are objects in the sky. But for every one of them that says it, there's 9,999 that had one and don't say it. And because of that, it has a negative effect on the whole field. So for every person like you that openly talks about an experience saying, I got lucky and most people don't get lucky, there are a lot of people out there who also got lucky, but just never bring it up again. But because of that, now there are gonna be people who are unlucky. It's So it's important mm -hmm. to talk about it because uh, it'll educate other people. Does that make sense? I'm kind of. Yeah, sorry. it does. I mean, it, it, I mean, the whole. I mean, I knew when I started the book that I made mistakes, and that the mistakes would have value to other people. Mm -hmm. And I just hope they do. Yeah. Number six, 
um, another mistake, you know, using whilst under the influence, under the weather, or ill, thus adding to, to the prevailing physical strain. I mean, one of the Ten Commandments in the book is, you know, if you're not feeling well, don't have the drug. Yeah. You know, make sure you're in a good mental and physical state before you actually uh, have a drug, because you, you you could well compound the problem and put your body under immense strain. And I did this with codeine. I had a uh, sort of a fluid type thing, and I was feeling pretty rough. Mm. And uh, I sort of had this idea, again, it wasn't the brightest idea in the world, but, well, I've got to do codeine for the book. And I wasn't looking forward to codeine because it was just another opioid. Yeah. I, I don't enjoy the opioids much. So I did I did the, the opioid because, only because people use the opioids and I had to do them. So I thought, ah, here's an opportunity to kill two birds with one stone. Yeah. Um, I have to do all paper for the book and I'll use coding because it's used for colds and pain relief and flu and, and various ailments. So I thought, ah, so I don't I'll do that. So and, and uh, I'll, I'll feel better. Yeah. And I'll also be able Get to material test the for book. the book. Yeah. So I'll have to do it on some other occasion. Um, and I had a recreational dose, I had 100 milligrams, which is quite a lot of. Um, and it didn't really work. <laughs> it had the opposite effect. Yeah. Um, for a while, I felt sort of a sort of semi-euphoric, but it, I could feel it was masking the illness rather than replacing it. Mm. Yeah. So it wasn't a sort of merry high. Yeah. It was a miserable, dismal high, if you like. Yeah. So I wasn't having a great time. I was just, I wasn't relieving the pain. I'm not sure it was because after what was a relatively short period of time, I ended up feeling so ill. I, I went to bed and lay in the bed with a headache. Um, and people don't generally understand that opioids give you a hangover, like mm. alcohol does, when you stop having them. And I think I was starting before too long, I was starting to have this, this definitely the morning after, I still had the illness and it was compounded by this terrible, terrible hangover. Yeah. So it never overcame the illness and, 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 and somehow at, at, at during the evening and somehow it found a synergy with the illness to, to sort of make me miserable <laughs> and not capable of doing anything. And then during the night when I was kept waking up with hot sweats and, and not feeling, feeling quite ill and then in the morning I had these, this sort of illness and the hangover and I had a really rough time. Um, and yes, I will have put my body under significant strain during that exercise mm. uh, through not adhering to my own words. If you're not feeling okay, don't take drugs because you're putting your body under additional stress. And I certainly did that on that occasion with the codeine. So, uh, yeah, but another one I should have known better. But there you go. Number seven, rolling again without having properly recovered or detoxed from the last session. This is easy. So if you have drugs every night, this is this is you're obviously doing this regularly. Um, you're not giving your body time to detox. Detox. You maybe the next evening you're having a different drug at a high dose, and you've still got the old drug in your system. You know the half life hasn't expired, and, and um, 
for the reasons I've just mentioned, it's putting you under stresses and strains. Maybe the drugs aren't compatible. Uh, if you're having a good heavy night and MDMA, really you're not going to get the same out of the second night. Or if you do, you're having a higher dose. It's it's just a it's just a, a really risky path to to take. So you know that was one of the ten commandments again: like give your body time, get let it get out of your system before you 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 roll again. Mm. Now, I think the recommended wait time for for MDMA is actually six weeks. I think that it's on all the, oh, wow. all, the all the forums that you're supposed to wait. So you know if you if you're repeating, you know, having a second night, or or if you if you're having another strong drug or, or cocaine or speed or something, you know, you, you, you're taking you know chances there that, that uh, I wouldn't do. I wouldn't mm. take them. And I strongly recommend that you you don't. Number eight, I, I, very simple, not allergy testing a drug. On that, this is number eight of mistakes people make that lead to tragedy or death when using drugs. Not allergy testing a drug on the first occasion it's used. You know, it's rare. It's rare that somebody's allergic to, to a particular drug. Very rare, but it happens. You know, it happens. Um, and you know, yeah, I've read a number of times where you know people died in in um, in open air concerts and and, and, and music festivals uh, where they've actually had an allergy to to a particular drug. Uh, so when it's only a few seconds to test it on your tongue, any discomfort, and um, you know, just go through the motions of just checking it just to be sure. And it goes, it goes hand in hand with start. You can you can always you can always take more that you but you can't take less than you've already taken. But yeah, an allergy test is 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 a pain, but it's it's a pain worth worth enduring. Mm. Oh dear, number nine, number nine of mistakes people make using drugs which lead to te- uh, tragedy or death. Fail, falling into an endless redosing binge without having limited the stash. I've told you this one before about my experience with methamphetamine. Mm. Um, yeah. I bought 100 milligrams and and it was fantastic. And I was taking 10 gram lines, 10 milligram lines. Yeah. And I was sort of becoming obsessively, compulsively yeah. mead. Well, yeah, I've got more work, I've got more work, I've got more work, i And it was such a great. Yeah. Yeah, you know, after a after I've, after I've used it all up, you know, I'm in a situation where oh no, oh no, I'm out, out. <laughs> I'm out, I'm out of the good times. Yeah, it's a dangerous. You know, slope, had man. I got more available, I would have carried on, and yeah. God knows what would have happened yeah. because and, and, and uh, because even even with this one experience, which you know, it's a pretty decent dose, but you know, people get through grams of this stuff. Even from this, the next day I was so down and, and sort of really devoid of of energy and devoid of uh, of will and yeah. and, uh, and depressed. Yeah. And this went on for ages, just from this from this one experience. And um, you know, so you know, the, the lesson there is: decide what your maximum is for a session. And make sure you don't have access to any more. Yeah. Because once you fall into a binge, a redosing binge, 
you've lost you've lost objectivity yeah. and your judgment is going to be flawed yeah mine was you know and i'm an old man you know a young kid is going to presumably in most cases yeah, anyway yeah. have less willpower and, yeah. and um and so yeah uh failing to falling into an endless redosing binge without having limited the stash you know it's a slippery slope that and it's incredibly easy with certain drugs to just binge and binge and binge and binge and lastly number 10 of the mistakes people made which lead to tragedy or death not researching the drug's effect or not establishing a suitable sense and setting this applies to a lot of drugs, not just psychedelics, in which you you take a drug in, in circumstances which are totally inappropriate for, yeah. for that drug. Yeah. Um, and I've got, I'll, I'll give you an example I may have given you with the Salvi Divinorum and the young lad who was in a head shop in front of me. Um, he was buying, he'd been drinking and his mates were outside hiding around the corner. And uh, his story was, I want to have a blast, those are his words. And the shopkeeper was, couldn't say, recommend, because he was selling all these legal highs, not for human consumption. That's how he was legally selling the drugs. Yeah, yeah. That's how it worked in this country. Yeah, same here. So the guy was there, so, and he picked up this Salvia Divinorum, which as you well know, uh, sends you to La La Land and a dysphoric place very, very quickly. You really don't know where you are. And immediately I saw the potential for an absolute disaster here, which was this take this the Salvia out to the street with his three minutes, smoke it, one, one talk, and they're in the middle of Manchester city centre on, on by a busy road, completely out of the tree and not conscious of, of where they are at all. And bang. You know, so that's what that's what I saw. So I, I told this lad that, you know, look, this is what could happen with that, you don't want that. Uh, I said, no, but I'm going to have a blast. So I managed to edge him over to this stimulant, which, by the way, with alcohol is a terrible idea too, but it's less of a terrible idea yeah, less, yeah, than less standing evil. on the road having something to do So it was evil. a case of the worst of two evils. Yeah. So I managed to edge him towards this safer option, and he went out. And unfortunately, two minutes later, he came back because he's... His, his mates like the idea of being jettisoned off into space and not knowing what they were doing. So we swapped it for the salvia and, and cleared off again. So you can't win them all, nope. unfortunately. Sometimes but, yeah, that's, that's a, an example of not understanding the drug's effects and not taking them in the right setting setting, in the right circumstances. Sure. Uh, it can have an absolutely disastrous effect yeah. uh, if you're not careful. So um and that's an example of it and people do fall foul of that yeah uh, unfortunately uh but that's number 10 of uh, mistakes people make that lead to tragedy or death not researching the drugs effects or not establishing a suitable set and setting there there were 10 that i found on forums or i thought i found on forums because it very rare very rarely people will come back and say Oh, uh, John's died of a uh, heroin overdose because he went out with a heroin overdose because he went out with his mates, mm -hmm. and they had told you know he, he very rarely got the full story back. But it was it was quite often just reading through the posts and what they were up to the previous posts, possible to work out 
broadly what they're likely to have done. Mm. And from that, I, I worked out a list of some of the most common ways that people sure. uh, manage to uh, have a problem and, and unfortunately die. And, uh, and, and that was, so these were before the embryo, the idea of the book came to mind. Uh, and these were sort of the preliminary uh, building blocks for the Ten Commandments of Safer Drug Use, which is in the first section. Hell yeah. There you go. I enjoyed it. I was thinking, I know we got to wrap this up, but I was thinking you need to, uh, you need to become like a president or a billionaire or something because you always hear that power is an aphrodisiac or power is intoxicating. You need to become a world mm. leader so you can... <laughs> So you can write in power in your book as a drug. Power is a drug. But you know, because you, you can feel it. You'll hear like power is intoxicating. Like you've heard that. Yeah. Well, is it? Well, I was thinking you need you need to become is the it? president or the prime minister just so you can put an entry in your book. Power as a whether drug. Whether it works or not. Yeah. Whether I've got a couple of non non, non drug scenarios in there. I've got sensory deprivation. Yeah. Uh, because uh, if you yeah. you go in a, a tank, you're not supposed yeah. to invoke hallucinatory states. And I have uh, sh- Sharadora, which is an Indian thing where they pour hot oil on your head, okay. and that worked. I had this sort of psychedelic flashes because okay. it stimulated the pineal gland, I guess. Okay. So I've got a few non-drug highs. Well, two. Yeah, <laughs> I've two. got two non-drug highs in there that are sort of. Uh, found out about on the journey. Uh, power's not one of them. You should do it. Uh, unfortunately. It's a hard one to... Power, I'd yeah, change yeah. a lot of things about this yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, wouldn't we all? When are you going to be... Better. When are you going to be on the Joe Rogan experience, man? You would be an amazing episode. Well, all that matters is whether he thinks that. And, and I mean, the problem with these people is how, how do you get past... Joe Rogan's people to speak to Joe Rogan. You, How do you get Russell Brand's people you don't. to speak it's, to Russell Brand? You know, that's the problem. So they never actually get to... That's by design. When you get that much money yeah, and fame, you, you, you put up... to protect people you, from, you, from people like me. Crazy people like us, like, hey, let us on your show! Like, yeah, yeah they set up these Yeah, I'd like to go walls. on some of these programs just because it would have been... I think it'd be great. an opportunity to, 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 you know, spread the harm reduction gospel, if you like, and save mm. lives. But, you know, when I sort of looked at, you know, I'll, I'll you know, I sort of realised that you know, you can't actually make direct contact and you sort of, yeah. it's somebody else who decides what they get to see and, and uh, there's this walls around all these famous people which which um, which are almost impregnable, possible to get around. I think you just need but, to claw up. You just need to do bigger and bigger podcasts or do mm-hmm. more podcasts, more people, because eventually enough people will hear of you that you'll get on there. I think you will. I think you got a, my friend Josh is a, an ex-Marine and, uh, but he's done acid several times and said it changed his life, said it saved his life. And, uh, he just started a podcast. It's brand new. He's only two episodes in, but I bet, I bet he would like to have you on. He loves mm-hmm. that stuff. Uh, I'll do, well, 
I'll give pass it a on. shout. Tell, yeah. tell him I exist. Yeah, I'll give. I mean, that's I'll, the problem. People don't know I exist. Well, really. exactly. You just got to keep doing episodes. I'll, uh, and then, I'll, and then maybe they'll look at one at me and they will sort of think I'm an idiot and decide not to. Have whatever, them, whatever. Fuck you know, those it's, people. It's, fuck it's, those it's people. they know I'm existing, and I'm probably not. Hey, fuck those people. Just have to be lucky, I guess. You do. I always tell people this. People ask, "How do I get cool guests on here?" Like you. Yesterday, I had on uh, Sebastian Gallegos. He's a another United States Marine veteran who lost his arm in Iraq, and he's got a prosthetic, mm-hmm. a robotic arm. Um, okay. Yeah, badass. Um, people always ask me, "How do I get cool guests?" They only see the episodes that I do. For every person that says they'll do the podcast, this is not exaggerating. I'd say there's upwards of ninety nine that say they won't do it. So you just gotta, you gotta email, you gotta call, Reddit, Instagram, Twitter, just constantly be asking. The vast majority are gonna say no and stop contacting yeah. me. Every once in a while, you'll get one that will go, fuck it, sure, I'll do it. So yeah. you just gotta, you gotta go out. You gotta go out and go for it. <laughs> hey man, there's never been a, there's never been a new or unique idea under the sun that isn't met with uh, overwhelming disapproval and criticism. That's what that's everything starts that way. The wheel to the automobile, to the plane, to the radio, things that we now take as as staples of our lives. Whenever those things started, people are like, you fucking idiot. No one's going to do this. So you just got to you got to you got to just buckle down and keep going forward. I think you can do it, man. I think you could be on a ton of podcasts and I'll uh, I'll send your stuff to my friend Josh. Okay, I'm happy to do that. I mean, I, I'm. I, I mean, I know harm reduction is important. It's incredibly important. It's, it's incredibly important. It's it's the it's the way to save lives and um, lots and lots of lives. Yeah. Uh, it's just not given a fair crack. Yeah. Uh, by the mainstream, uh, it's buried. Um, people just see the word drugs and they're, they're Ooh, you know media uh, people and they're not going to touch yeah. that. And they, they don't get it. Yeah. And you know, hopefully, you know, if I can actually—that's why I do this stuff. You know, I can actually change some minds there uh, and, and make more people, more of the media, understand that harm reduction is so important, and they've got—they've got control and power, which we just talked about, to actually do something about this and save people. Uh, you know, maybe it'll make a difference. Let's let's hope so. I think it will. Dominic Milton Trot, author of the Drug Users Bible. I will link it in the description in the top comment. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you for coming on. Until next time. Until next time. Namaste. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'll see you, Dominic. Stay safe, buddy. Okay.